Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. We are digging our way through the book of 1 Peter this month. And we are looking at chapter 3 today. When Peter is writing this letter to the church, the people are in a very similar situation to all of us in our everyday circumstances in that the group of people who call Jesus their king is very small, and in the rest of their lives they are surrounded by people who do not acknowledge Christ as king. They are surrounded by people who are lost. They are surrounded by people who believe different things. They are surrounded by those who are, quote-unquote, unsaved. And all of us, I believe, can relate to that in that we have a group of people, if you would call yourself a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, you would say that there are people around you who are other fellow believers, people that follow Christ, who, who call Him Lord and have put their faith in Him. But there are huge numbers of people around you and in your life who do not acknowledge Jesus as King. Would that be correct? For some of you, it's in your own home. For some of you, it's your spouse. And you have gone through your life, maybe for a few months, maybe for a few years, maybe for decades, following Jesus, but your spouse hasn't. And you have had to deal with the conflict, and the frustration, and the arguments, and the... You trying to move one way, and them wanting to move the other way, for quite a while and it and it is it's gut-wrenching at times for some of you it's your parents or maybe it's your kids and you have tried to share your faith with them and you try to explain things and they have decided they have made their own decisions and they've gone their own way and you are there watching them make these decisions and it's painful And then they start bringing things into your home that you're like, I wish this wasn't here. I wish they wouldn't bring these things in. I I wish my life didn't have to deal with these. For many of us, it's, it's simply people in the workplace or people that you interact with at different clubs you're part of or sports groups or or different things that you do out in your community. And those people all around you, for most of you, you do not work in an environment where everybody else is a believer of Christ and you are maybe the only one in the workplace. And you are surrounded by people who do not share your values, do not share your beliefs, do not share your convictions. And not only does that come out in how they behave, the lies that get told, the betrayal, the gossip, the, this, this culture of fighting and, and greed and selfishness. But it, it comes out in just 
Sometimes how they attack you, the, the things they say about you, the things they say to you, how they degrade or, or the values that they want to push as an organization, and you feel out of place in that mix. And you get along with them, some of them, and some of them are really wonderful people. But it's hard, especially for those of you who are still in school. You go to school... And there may be a teacher, maybe a couple other students that you feel like you can be on the same page with your faith, but it feels like every other teacher and every other student is going down a different path, and you're there all by yourself trying to hold to a certain set of values, hold to this belief, follow Jesus, and people are calling you crazy, they're making fun of you, they're criticizing you, they're pressuring you to make decisions to go into other things that you really shouldn't be going into. And it feels like you're being attacked from all sides. For some of us, you've got all that, but you've also got the reality that this is your church, and there's a lot of new people here at our church And some people that are here at our church haven't been a believer very long or maybe have never made that commitment of faith. And you're kind of left wondering, what am I supposed to do with all these people that don't necessarily fully submit to Christ? And we're right in the middle of all of that. I can remember... I can remember, especially when I was in school, when I was in high school, I definitely had that feeling like I was the only one in my environment who believed what I believed. And I made it my mission to survive. I made it my goal to get through high school with my faith intact, and I didn't didn't care about anything else, I was going to make sure that I held on to my faith and got through that time of trial and conflict and frustration. And I imagine many of you feel that same way. In a lot of these situations, it's just a matter of survival. I'm going to get through my work day. I'm going to get through class. I'm going to deal with this conversation. I'm going to get through the hours that I'm at home. I've just got to hold on and survive. Well, I want to read to you what Peter says to the church in his letter. And I'm going to read the entirety of chapter 3 because I think we need to hear these words But I'm going to read it in the message translation because I think it it brings a a fresh, fresh passion to the words. So you can follow along, but I really want you simply to listen to what Peter says to the church. 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, The same goes... For your wives. Be good wives to your husbands, responsive to their needs. There are husbands who, indifferent as they are to any words about God, 
will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. What matters is not your outer appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry that you wear, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Cultivate your inner beauty. Be the gentle, gracious, kind that God delights in. The holy women of old were beautiful before God that way and were good, loyal wives to their husbands. Sarah, for instance, taking care of Abraham would address him as my dear husband. You'll be true daughters of Sarah if you do the same, unanxious and unintimidated. The same goes for you husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of, the, some of your advantages. But in the new life of God's grace, you're equals. Treat your wives then as equals. So your prayers don't run aground. Summing up, be agreeable. Be sympathetic. Be loving. Be compassionate. Be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions. No retaliation. No sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing. And also, get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil and cultivate good. Run after peace for all your worth. God looks on all of this with approval. Listening and responding well is what He's asked. But He turns His back on those who do evil things. If with heart and soul you're doing good, do you think you can be stopped? Even if you suffer for it, you're still better off. Don't give the opposition a second thought. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ your Master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are. And always with the utmost courtesy. Keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing that they're the ones who need a bath. It's better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants than to be punished for doing bad. That's what God did definitively. Suffered because of others' sins. The righteous one for the unrighteous ones. He went through it all was put to death and then made alive to bring us to God. He went and proclaimed God's salvation to earlier generations who ended up in the prison of judgment because they wouldn't listen. You know, even though God waited patiently all the days that Noah built his ship, only a few were saved then, eight to be exact. Saved from the water, by the water. The waters of baptism do that for you. Not by washing away dirt from your skin, 
by but by presenting you through Jesus' resurrection before God with a clear conscience. Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone. From angels to armies, he's standing right alongside God. And what he says goes. Sometimes we live in this world where we are surrounded by people who are lost and who reject God and we get into survival mode and we end up being a lot like KFC chicken. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? No? We end up being a lot like KFC chicken in that, man, the taste is there. You can taste the difference. You go and you go get chicken from any other restaurant, and it's good, but it's not quite the same as that KFC chicken. It's got something special to it, and you can tell that there's something special to it, and you can tell that it tastes better than everything else that's out there, but you do not know what it is, and they will not tell you and they will not tell you what the difference is it's a secret recipe you can tell that it's different but they're not going to share the heart of it with anybody It's their secret, and they're going to keep it. And they're going to go through whatever means they need to to keep it a secret. And even though everyone can tell that it tastes good, they decide to keep it secret. And for some of us, we're like KFC in another way. After we interact with it, it tastes sweet, but it leaves us feeling gross afterward. For many years, that is how I approached my faith. I was going to hold to it. It was going to be obvious that there was something different about my life. But it was a secret recipe. And I was not concerned about anybody else knowing what that secret recipe was. It was not my intention, it was not in my value structure to make sure that people received this experience of Christ in me with courtesy, with respect, with humility. I had the secret, and I was going to keep it. And Peter makes it very clear that that is not who we are supposed to be. This is not a secret that we are keeping We are supposed to live a life that leads others to life. Yeah. 
And if we can do that, Peter says that if we can live a life that leads others to life, you may actually see that those people around you get saved, get freed from their addictions, are able to overwhelm the depression and the anxiety, are able to be freed from this cycle of bad decisions and cycles of painful, abusive relationships, are able to parent differently, are able to do something different with their lives, are able to get out of poverty, are able to get rid of the guilt and the shame that has haunted them for years, are able to be forgiven and are able to be changed and are able to have life and have life that spreads beyond them. And if we give them that secret recipe and we don't hold it secret anymore and we're not concerned about surviving and just getting what we can and getting what we want and, and holding on to it so that we end up in heaven, but that we live lives that lead others to life, then we may actually find that our spouses get saved and our kids get saved and our neighbors get saved. And people show up randomly in our church and get saved. And our coworkers, and our boss, and our employees, and our fellow students, and our teachers, and our professors submit to Christ. Find forgiveness. Find healing. Find a love that isn't dependent on performance. And get to spend eternity with Christ. But we can't keep it secret. And we can't keep how we live secret. We need to live lives that lead others to life. Not that make them jealous of our lives, but lead them to life. And Peter fleshes out a number of ways to do that. And he, and he gives it to us and he gives it to us straight He says that actions speak louder than words, so act like Jesus. Invest in living the right way, not just looking good. Always be ready to talk about Jesus. Be ready to tell others why you follow Him with gentleness and respect. Don't let fear define you. Don't let suffering or the fear of suffering stop you. Live in humility and submission. Like an employee to a boss, it's not slavery, it's not abuse, but we are supposed to live in a way that we continue giving our best even if they don't deserve it. And in our marriages, we are supposed to treat our spouses where we give them the best even if they don't deserve it. And we acknowledge the responsibility and the role that our spouse holds. Men and women treat each other as equals. And they have different roles 
but we need to submit to each other, honor each other, and give each other the best even when they don't deserve it. I'm not saying just hold on and live through the abuse and ignore problems. No, you've got you to gotta deal with the problems. Absolutely. But we have to live in a way that we give others the best even when they don't deserve it. And we respect lines of authority. And we need to live in a way that leads leads others to life. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways.